0: Thanks for supporting companies that support this podcast. Hey guys, it's Judy from Nutrition with Judy. Thanks for joining me today. While you're here, please make sure to like and subscribe. If you're listening to this on podcast, please make sure to leave a review as this allows my content to get in front of more people. And thank you for that. My name is Judy Cho and I'm board certified in holistic nutrition and I focus on root cause healing and that oftentimes starts with the Carnivore Cures All Meat Elimination Diet. Today, I had the pleasure of sitting down with Coach Danielle or Coach Danny. We talk a lot about how sometimes healing is beyond just food. We talked about the mental health side and focusing on things that we can heal from our past, including trauma. It's an important discussion to listen to, especially if you have not healed enough and you are still living in a lot of the stress that may be part of your lifestyle. Maybe the way that you are viewing the world is something that we need to work on and it's beyond just the food. Danny is a sugar freedom coach and speaker who's passionate about helping women reshape their relationship with sugar so they can reclaim control over their health and energy once and for all. Having struggled with sugar addiction herself, Danny knows exactly how difficult and overwhelming the journey can be. Using her extensive knowledge and nutrition, personal experience, and coaching, Danny helps her clients navigate sugar cravings and guilt and no longer allows them to control their health and life. Danny is the host of the top rated Beyond Sugar Freedom podcast, where she dives deep into conversations about the root causes of sugar dependency and total body health and wellness. Okay, guys, I hope you enjoyed this interview. Let's get right into it. Hi, Danny. I'm so excited to have you on. I know you and I have talked so much offline and through the Sugar Summit, but I'd like for my audience that may not have heard of you or seen you, get to know you better because you have so much. Knowledge and wisdom in the wellness space, as well as just the body mindset um, that can really support people in healing.
1: So, for the people that may not have heard of you yet, if you can introduce yourself. Sure. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me here, Judy. I'm so excited to come to your audience and to share, um, you know, whatever whatever I can to support in the in this journey. So, hello, everybody. Um, I'm Danny, as Judy said, and I've been working as a holistic nutrition coach and sugar freedom expert, I call myself, for the last six years, having kind of morphed out of my own journey and battles with a lifelong addiction to sugar, to processed food, to really just escaping and coping with what I now knew are my inner wounds and my old patterns that was really what I used food to run from and to escape from. So in my own journey and kind of uncovering, accepting that, you know, I I had this, this addiction and. This dependency really on processed food, you know, uh, about six years ago, my husband and I were actually traveling in South America. And um, I often joke that we went through an accidental sugar detox because we were living in the middle of the jungle just eating off the land. And that was the first time in my life I feel like I haven't had access to processed foods and my body was in shock. (laughs) What is happening? Where is the cookies? Where is the junk? And, you know, that was really eye-opening for me. That was a really, really eye-opening part of my journey. So coming back to Canada after that trip, you know, I really started seeing things differently and really started... Putting the pieces together around how I thought I was nourishing my body, but I was not. Uh, the truth, you know, I really had to get honest with myself that, you know, I was eating more junk than I thought and what that was actually going to do to my future. And, you know, taking a hard look at that, that was really a catalyst for me to start going down this path for myself. And over the years, now having worked with women in this space for, for six years, I've really seen... Um, a lot of the mistakes that most people are making when they're trying to to eat healthy or trying to change their health. And really my obsession quickly developed around really getting to the root cause of why we eat what we eat. Because so many people, and I see this, especially in the sugar addiction space or this, this you know, processed carb addiction space. Yeah. There's a lot of people toting though it's just about abstinence and it's just about getting it out of your system. And then all of your problems will go away. And I tried that. And I guided my clients through that. And guess what happened? It didn't stick, right? It didn't work. And I became obsessed over really getting to the root cause and understanding a deeper reason why we're actually using food and why we as a population can't seem to uh, really overcome or get into a healthy eating pattern in a way that... Is lifelong, or is is just a new way of being instead of, you know, the yo yo dieting and the binging and and that roller coaster that so many women I know are on. So that's kind of got me to to hear. And now, you know, I, I help women really really uncover these root causes uh, of their dependency on sugar or processed food, and ultimately heal their relationship with themselves. Because little teaser for I'm sure what we're going to talk about later. That's really where it all comes from. <laughs> you know, what is it about I guess sugar and processed foods that really
0: does affect our mental health and just our wellness in general.
1: Yeah, yeah, this is big. And I'm sure you've talked about this a lot on the on the episode as well, right? And, and on your show. But um, for anyone who doesn't, isn't aware of this yet, I mean, really important to understand that these, I'm not, I can't even use the word. The the word food, right? This isn't this, these aren't foods anymore. Um, the processed food industry and Big Egg, you know, has has really taken over in a powerful way to pump our our grocery stores full of chemicals and full of highly processed substances. Um, sugar being a big part of that. So there's a lot. I mean, we could do a whole episode on this, but you know, really just scratching the surface here for all of you when we are overloading our bodies since childhood on processed food on sugar um, for you know this this includes things like maple syrup and agave and honey can't tell you how many people think well I don't eat sugar and they're just downing honey every day right (laughs) I used to do that too and I'm like that that's still sugar (laughs) so the the white processed carbs the the bread the pasta the cookies of the obvious places but also these hidden sugars that are in all of our food and when we when we bombard our body with this, I want you to start thinking of like actually just bombarding your, your body with toxins. So what do you think is going to happen, right? We're going to increase the toxic load in our body. We're going to dramatically change the landscape of our gut um, and do a lot of damage to the microbiome um, in our gut, actually causing some of the the quote unquote like bad bacteria to overgrow to cause um, digestive issues. we're having, of course, the obvious in incredible damage to our 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 blood sugar, right and our insulin and our pancreas and this beautiful cycle that is there to support the use of of simple sugars like glucose in our body and in our blood. But when we're bombarding it at such a toxic level day in and day out, we really wear down that system, right? And and this is leading to things like metabolic disease, insulin resistance, diabetes, obviously leading to cancers and obesity and heart disease. Like a lot of, we're we're now seeing the research start to come out on how inability for, and the, the, the damage that's been done to our blood sugar regulation actually causing these metabolic dysfunction that are really at the root of a lot of chronic diseases and a lot of pain and a lot of inflammation and just a lot of things. And then on the other side, you know, continuing this conversation, there's the damage that it's doing to our brain, right? This is, I mean, we look at the world around us and we see this, ma- and this isn't the only cause obviously, but there's this massive increase in um, mental disorders and anxiety and depression and stress levels. And you know, um, a huge piece of that is, drastically being affected by what you're eating and the sugar high that you're getting every time you are spiking your blood sugar in that way, you know, hijacking our dopamine centers and our serotonin centers, and just absolutely, you know, wreaking havoc in our brain and our ability to even just experience joy and experience pleasure and experience these peaceful moments in life, right? We end up sort of being on this roller coaster and feeling more moody. Like we have PMS all month, even though maybe you don't even have a cycle anymore, so what's really going on there? And and a lot of a lot of those mental disorders or those challenges, um, I wholeheartedly believe are really stemming from what we're eating and what's being put in our food. So sugar being a, a huge culprit of that. So there's just a couple things that you really need to pay attention to. And and um this is why this is such an important topic.
0: Yeah, and I, I think a lot of our community, and I would even say Argue that most of Americans or even Canadians know that eating like Pizza Hut and McDonald's and these foods all the time is not good for us. But we still see that um, I saw a study not too long ago that Twinkie sales are increasing over the years, and right. And I think every single person on the planet would say Twinkies are not a good food, yet it's increasing in sales. So what is it? And I think this is something you were alluding to earlier, but we know that a lot of the foods is not good. We know that added sugars, generally speaking, is not good, and most people do know that that the added sugar really has no benefit for nutrition. So, what is it that is making it so hard to give up these
1: foods? Yeah, this is like the million dollar question. <laughs> I'm so glad <laughs> because this that we're going to go down some some major rabbit holes here because this <laughs> is this is really the bread and butter, uh, pun intended, of everything that that I do. So, what I've seen, you know, uh, especially when Okay, there's there's kind of two things here. There is the very physical, real things that are happening in our body when we eat processed food, right? Processed food um, addiction and the hijacking it's doing to our brain, the blood sugar dysregulation, the changing of our our gut lining, uh, all the very physical pieces that are keeping us hooked right? And the sad truth is the food industry knows this. They know that sugar is addictive. They know that um, you know, processed seed oils are addictive. They know that these things have addictive qualities in the body. And they know that the more they pump into their product, the more you're going to come back and spend money buying that product. So unfortunately, the sad truth is we do live in quite a corrupt world in that regard. And it's really important just to be aware that that is going on and, and really accept the truth that, the food industry and most of these organizations do not have your health at at heart. That's not their goal. Their goal is to make money. And it's our goal to empower ourselves with that knowledge and choose different products, right? Choose to cook, choose to to make our own whole real food. So this is a really big piece of the puzzle for sure. That's keeping us back. You know, we know that Pizza Hut's not good for us. I love that you said Pizza Hut because that used to be my go-to. Oh my gosh, the breadsticks, like... Every week, sign me up, right? And they know that, right? That that is going to keep me coming back for more and spending my money. So there was a very physical, addictive cravings and behavior. But what I've seen and, you know is hands down the most powerful driver for us in keeping us hooked on these foods, making it so difficult for us to give them up, is the way that they have been used and integrated into our emotional and energetic bodies. So what I mean by this is that we have been taught since childhood to use junk food to manage every single emotion, to to really... To, to soothe, to numb out, to escape, to feel safe, to feel loved. Like there are so many um, patterns that we have developed and relationship ties that we have developed with junk food, with sugar throughout our whole lives, literally starting in childhood. Right. Like that first year in our life, right? The first time you get ice cream because you were good or, you know, you got you got a good grade and you're celebrating with food. So these psychological, emotional and energetic ties that we have to candy, to sugar, to the taste of sweet is is the biggest driver. And this is where I see no matter how long Women go off of sugar. People go off of sugar, right? They could be sugar-free for a year. So Mm -hmm. physically, they're not having the cravings, but there is still a craving there. And this is because those deeper patterns have not been healed, have not been shifted. And it's understanding These deeper rooted reasons of why we're actually reaching to food because we're uncomfortable in social situations or because we never received the love that we needed in childhood. And now we're using food as a replacement. Now we're overeating to self soothe because we can't handle the pain that we're feeling in the relationship that maybe we're in. So the coping mechanisms that we've developed and the attachment that we have there with, with food, especially junk food. I mean, we've, we have not been taught to escape our pain using cucumbers, right? Or a steak, <laughs> like that's not something we're taught. Right. We're taught the ice cream, the wine, the junk food. And it's so entwined in our culture, our society, our rituals, holidays. It's it's built in in such a deep rooted psychological way that it becomes really tricky to navigate our way out of it. And you almost have to be the black sheep in the family right. if you're choosing to eat healthy food, right? It's not the norm. You're the weird one. I'm the weird one in my family that brings my own own food to dinner, and I'm grateful that I don't mind doing that. But I know a lot of people that's very uncomfortable, right? And you know, all of these pieces make it so complicated to finally break free. Not impossible, just complicated. Hey guys, just to
0: let you know, my carnivore cure book is back in stock. For nine months, it was out of print, and used prices were up to three hundred dollars. Make sure to get your copy today that has over 200 colored tables and graphics and over 400 pages of meaty goodness. We have a limited supply, so get your copy today on Amazon.com. And if you can leave a review, I'd be super grateful. I know when I first went without sugar and I'd go to a social event and I would feel the social anxiety about what if someone asked like why I'm not eating the pizza or why I'm not having cake. And so I already feel that insurmountable amount of social anxiety. And then, then some of that happens. And then I feel the, um, all that manifestation of fears comes true. And then I feel even more anxiety leaving it of Oh, now they're going to think I'm the weirdo. And oftentimes then that level of anxiety would then almost make, it's like, I would end up coping by binging because see, I was trying to be good. I got, my fear of being teased or ostracized became true, and therefore now the only way to handle all of this emotion and anxiety is to go home and binge, and and I would often use purging. But then I would not, and then I would just self soothe that way, and so it just became this vicious cycle. Of I think a lot of people go through that, and you see it even as the first birthday. Uh, you know, we have most babies feeding breast milk all year long. And we're so careful with the diet of a baby. But then as soon as they turn one, it's like, yes, now you um, have a birthday cake for your first birthday and you see the smash cakes and all of that stuff. And then you start year two, you're feeding them chicken nuggets and applesauce. and, And it's like, what happened to the perfect diet when they're a baby? There's no difference when they're two or three years old. And like you said, it's just every event you know you celebrate with food you get sad with food and then it's all over media billboards and tv and you you learn that and sometimes the way i dealt with it cuz i didn't deal with the emotional side yet was i'd be angry at either caving in and eating the sugar or being mad that I got bullied and why did I even feel these emotions and I'd self-soothe by binging off of sugar knowing all of this and I'm sure a lot of people that are listening and watching this still go through some of that like how do you start healing those old patterns
1: yeah thank you for sharing those examples those are those are so common So common. And this is, first of all, I want everybody listening to know that uh, there's nothing wrong with you, right? right? This relationship that we have to food and unhealthy food is extremely complicated. It is a messy relationship that has, we have been really confused about our whole lives, right? We're constantly being bombarded with mis-messaging or different messages. One year it's this, one year it's that you know, and different people saying different things and getting sucked into the fat, this fad diet and this fad diet, and we're confused. And, you know, that lifetime of confusion of back and forth and trying to figure out how to get a handle on this has left so many women feeling like there it's something wrong with them. And I just really want to hit that message home that there is absolutely nothing wrong with you. And this place that maybe you're in of feeling lost and feeling like, why can't I get out of these self-sabotaging patterns? and you know, I do so good at the party, like you you said, Judy, and then I come home and I binge because I was feeling so anxious or I'm celebrating that I did so good at the party, right? <laughs> like these wirings and these neural pathways and ways of behaving are very deeply ingrained, right? This is this is really something that's been happening for all of us for decades, maybe 40, 50, 60 years. So it's going to take some time to shift out of that. And and I would like to offer, you know, what I've seen here, and there's so many ways to kind of get started with this, but step one is to just start getting curious and starting to ask yourself better questions about why am I actually um, turning to food, right? Why in this moment, do I feel like I need to go and eat a tub of ice cream? You know, what is really going on and really deeply bringing awareness without judgment, This is really important because when we, we need to, we need, I'm just going to say this because we need to break, we need to break free from this idea that eating healthy is a fight and that it's like this war that we have to have with ourselves. I know so many women, all of my clients that I work with are like coming to me because like, I want to end this fight. Like, I want this to be effortless. I want this to just be easy. And you know, this is, it, it is possible to really Come into this journey for yourself with compassion and with gentleness and with ease and with understanding and allow this to unfold for you. So step one is awareness, right? And really, really getting clear on asking yourself these better questions around why does this addictive pattern exist for me? What am I trying to escape? What am I using food to cope from or to avoid or to elicit? You know, sometimes we're trying to elicit, you know, more joy, right? This is a big trigger for a lot of my clients is food being the only joy in their life, right? Well, sugar is the only joy in my life. So why would I give it up? Right. And that's, that's a problem that food is the only joy in your life, right? So, so now it's about getting curious about how to create other sources of joy, right? So we can start to really get our feet wet and understanding like, okay, the emotional triggers we have, the reasons we're scared. Well, every time I hang out with my mom, somehow I'm wanting to eat sugar. You know, this is really great feedback and information. Um, and then from there, you know, I would highly recommend working with someone, whether it's me or someone else that Judy recommends or someone else that, you know, to help you start diving deeper into your, your childhood wounds. So this is really, really a big, big area that we all need to start. And it's so stereotypical. It's like, tell me about your childhood, right? People come to my first session with me and I'm like, tell me about your childhood. And they're like, wait, am I in therapy? And that is a really important part of this because our perceptions of who we are and how we behave starting childhood. And we have all had some sort of trauma in childhood. And I say that like, because I used to think trauma was only big T trauma Sure. but that's not true. We all have some sort of trauma in the way of energetics or not receiving what we needed in childhood. So for a lot of people and of all of our era, I mean this is a sign of the times is we didn't we weren't honored in our emotional expressions, we weren't told we were loved, we weren't um uh, we weren't really held when we were crying. I mean as simple as that. You know, an infant Um, crying, not being held is actually a patterning of I'm in pain and I need help. And this person is not going to be there for me. This my person who's supposed to keep me alive is not there for me. And the imprint that that actually causes in, well, I must not be lovable. I better keep my emotions to myself in order to get the love that I need. There's a lot of survival mechanisms that start really coming in in those first seven years of life and kind of shape our belief systems, how we see ourselves, what we believe about ourselves, whether we're, we're worthy or not when we start developing a lot of these core wounds. And as human beings, no one's immune to this. Like, so I say confidently, we all have some sort of patterning that happened in childhood. That is why we are now people pleasing, why we are now binging on sugar, why we are now, you know, engaging in unhealthy relationships. There's a reason for all of that. And really getting messy and getting into that work is tricky and it's hard and it's, it's emotional and it's big stuff. And I know, you know, this Judy with the work that you've done and that's why most people don't do it. And You know, and I want to encourage everyone here, it doesn't have to be jumping headfirst into all of your traumas, right? It can be really going slow and dipping your toes into um, understanding where these patternings are coming from and, and why you're having such a hard time connecting with yourself, right? And really knowing who you are and all of this. So there's, there's a lot there to unpack, but that's kind of, you know, I just want to share that to kind of get people started. Yeah. I mean,
0: I fully agree with you. I think even going through my own trauma with my eating disorder and then using food as comfort or using food as a tool of why didn't I speak up for myself and then self-harming that way. And just, you know, filling my food body with just toxic foods. And then the purge was almost of a, and the purge can, be many different mechanisms, it could just be overly fasting, or it could be compensating by overly exercising or having a certain body shape, because then maybe you're validated, or then maybe you're um, getting approval. And there's a lot of different things like that. But it is easier to just eat the food and not think about it. And maybe you just haven't found the perfect diet for you that will make it stick, and then you won't have to worry. And it's so much easier to do that then think about, well, why am I picking up the food? And that was a lot of what um, eating disorder therapy did for me, which was very beneficial, not the food itself, they were teaching, but just the figuring out, well, why do you want to be a perfectionist? What is it? Is it that you don't feel you're good enough? And that was where a lot of my things stemmed from was, unless I was a certain weight, unless I looked a certain way, unless I did XYZ, I'm not good enough to be loved for people that are watching that are scared to even go down that path, right? Maybe they know deep down there is some big T type of traumas that they've put under the rug. You know, what are some baby steps that they can do to start figuring out? Because I know you said, ask some big questions. But do you do that in the heightened state of you're ready to go all into sugar eating? Or do you do that when you're calm? Like, how do you do some of those activities?
1: Yeah, well, that's such a great question. Um, I would really recommend starting around those times when you're wanting to eat sugar, maybe you've already binged, or maybe you've already eaten sugar, you're noticing that unhealthy pattern. And I want you all to just start getting curious about that situation. So maybe even after right being like, okay, sitting down with your journal and or or even just closing your eyes and tuning into your body and taking a minute to get curious without judgment. What went on there? You know why why did I eat that tub of ice cream? What emotional state was I in or what was I trying to get out of that? So even just bringing in the habit of checking in with yourself in that way after every binge or after every, you know, unhealthy snack is going to really Really start tying for you together the understanding of when you're eating because you need food and nutrients when your body actually is hungry versus when you're eating for emotional or energetic or other reasons. And 90% of the time we're eating for other reasons. 90% of the time, and this is why we're overeating, we're eating, we're snacking. You know, a lot of that is psychological cravings, right? So we need to start building that awareness around cravings. So I would recommend really just getting curious about those cravings and starting to ask that around the time of when it happens because you're in it more, right? So maybe you've just had a binge and you're like, oh, okay, I'm going to sit down with my journal now and just get curious about what Why did I feel like I wanted that? Or why did I feel like I needed that? What was going on for me today? And just starting to keep track of that over time without judgment, like just being an investigator in your process here, because over time you're gonna start to really see some patterns and you're gonna start to notice, wow, it's every time, you know, I've had a stressful day at work or every time, you know, I felt like I was shamed by someone or you know, what's really going on for me there. So yeah, I would recommend starting around that time and and building that as a habit to as a foundation and then. Of course, you know, if you're ready to take it to the next level, like getting some actual support and working with someone to help you guide, because what's happening is, you know, our belief systems and this lens that we see the world through are, we have our blinders on, right? We, we we're never going to be able to see, and this is why, you know, I'm so passionate about always working. I always have a coach and a therapist and like, I'm always working with people because I know that I still have a lot of blinders and I want somebody to mirror those back to me. So we don't heal through this stuff, um, especially if there's big T trauma. um, But even just being willing to start with the little stuff, right? Maybe the little teeth trauma, right? And and noticing like, oh, okay, so my mom wasn't affectionate. Um you know, and and for me, for example, this was this is a bit of my story is like as I'm unpacking this in the last few years for myself, I realized that my mom um, always had a massive emotional wall up. I never saw my mom cry. I never saw her you know, share emotions. And for me as an infant and a child, that left me feeling really unsafe um, energetically because I wasn't fully connected with my mom heart to heart. Right. She had a wall up and I felt it energetically as children. We feel that. Mm-hmm. So I felt unsafe. And I developed severe separation anxiety for a good 10 years of my adolescence. And in that, my solution, my primitive brain was like, I'm going to try to control everything because that will make me safe. And then I started, you know, engaging in these really unhealthy control mechanisms and trying to control situations and people and which, as we know, is impossible. And it just caused (laughs) me more anxiety, (laughs) more anxiety on the back end. So it wasn't really helpful. But in that turmoil, inner turmoil was what was driving me to escape, right? With with sugar and food. Like I can't handle this. I'm not actually in control. I'm trying to control things. I'm anxious. I'm just gonna have have food and sugar to numb out. So, you know, just having someone that can that can guide you to start seeing those patterns and start understanding them with compassion, I think is, is a really great place to start.
0: And I feel like I went through a similar thing where if I didn't have a therapist, I wouldn't have realized that a lot of my small habits were perfectionistic habits from a self of not being good enough. And it took someone, like you said, to mirror and ask me these questions that would drill down to this fear of being unloved or unaccepted. I've heard so much about some women, maybe they got raped in their past. And so the way that they self-protect is by overeating. So maybe they have a unhealthier shape and it's really at the core of it. It's to protect themselves from ever feeling, uh, possibly getting desired by the opposite sex or maybe even the same sex. And um, so that that would never happen again. Yeah, That's a big trauma, right? So For somebody like that, you know, maybe they start looking at the little teas to see what when they're turning to food. But would you generally recommend them working with a coach to start breaking down some of these walls? Absolutely.
1: Yeah. And uh, there's so many things that we can say here, too, because we have to be careful, especially when it comes to diving into some of these bigger wounds. We really, really, really have to be held in safe space. Yes. And unfortunately, there are a lot of people out there who aren't trained or aren't familiar with how to actually... Pe- help people navigate. And this is something that I, I'm even right now in the middle of practicing and learning and studying more in somatic coaching and somatic therapy, because I understand that this is, this is a delicate subject. And this is something that is very tricky. So making sure that if you are seeking, you know, support either a coach or therapist or counselor, whoever you're going to see, just really making sure that they have the training and they have the experience and they have the, the the ability to hold you in safe space because unfortunately there are a lot of people out there who who don't and the last thing we want is for you to be re-traumatized or to Um, not be held in that safe space. And this is especially important because one of, um, and I know you wanted to chat about Gabor or some here, because this is like really important. And for those who don't know Gabor Mate, look him up. Amazing. He's an expert on really like this link between trauma and addiction and really understanding that a lot of our traumas have actually come from being alone in our pain. So we need to, in order to heal from those, we need to actually be in connection to actually navigate and walk through maybe the pain, maybe the heartache or the loss or the grief or the fear that's stored in our body and be able to actually process that out in a safe way. And working with, you know, the right person is going to be extremely important for that.
0: Yeah. I think it gets tricky to find the right person. Like that's the core thing. And maybe, maybe people can reach out to you and you have a network that you work with and stuff. But I I do know that there are people also that feel that, Oh, I don't have any trauma from my past, so they're so disassociated from anything that's happened. So it even takes even more work. And so every single person will be different. Some people may need somatics. Some people may need limbic. Some people may need group therapy, and it's all different. But it sounds like the first step is to start being aware and curious of why you're turning to food.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, hundred percent. And and I will say this really boldly: we all have trauma. We <laughs> all have trauma. I know this, I know this because I used to be that person that was like, I had a great childhood. I'm good. I didn't have any, like, I don't have what I would consider any big T trauma. And then when I started learning about little T trauma, I learned, I started learning about what trauma actually was. I realized that, oh, to four-year-old Danny, not feeling connected to her mother and not safe was a big T trauma, right? And these little instances, it can be a moment, like the moment when I we were on vacation in Mexico and I got sucked under a wave and I thought I was gonna die, right? Like these little moments actually imprint in a huge way in our nervous system. And for a younger version of ourselves that doesn't understand the world, Right. As soon as we don't feel safe, we feel our life is threatened. That's a big T trauma. So whether it was actual sexual ab- abuse or war or a car accident or like, you know, your parents dying when you were young, like these traditional things that we think of as big T trauma, which obviously have, a, you know, can have a bigger impact. There's a lot of areas that we have never thought of as trauma before that actually are, right? Not actually being held as a baby could be considered a trauma, not actually being supported in your emotional expression, right? We're taught to just shut up and go to your room if you're angry or if you're crying, right? Stop annoying mom, get out of here right? Like we're that disconnection being alone. Like if we're having a painful experience as a child, you know, maybe we got bullied at school or we're just having a really sad day and we're crying and our parent isn't there for our is not there for us. That in itself is a trauma. So I just want you to open your mind to what that could be and understanding that we all have, we all have something. We all have multiple, some things <laughs> I know this for a fact because I was I was that exact person that was like I don't have any trauma I'm good I had a great upbringing and then I've started unpacking things and I'm like oh man there it is <laughs> there's those things so then what does the you know for someone that's never looked at food
0: in this way and just oh I just can't seem to not eat certain junk foods or maybe I'm craving it and they just think it's a craving like I just really like sugar um, what are some of the symptomologies maybe of when you may be turning to food for something other than just for nutrition. After a very stressful day, you seem to turn to food um, after you have a fight with your husband or spouse, you seem to turn to food like these are some of the symptoms that maybe you're turning to to food for other than just nourishment.
1: So some of the, maybe like the most common patterns, right? The most common. Okay. So yeah, you've mentioned a few for sure that are, that are, are, are key. Um, I would say paying attention to like when you eat, right? If you notice that you need snacks throughout the day, or you have to have something sweet at the end of a meal, that's not true, right? Either you're not getting the nutrients you need, which could be a thing, but usually it's an emotional reason that you're eating. So there'll be like the late night snacking. You know, I know a lot of my clients end up in front of Netflix at the end of the night, just totally disconnecting from, from life. There's also the the real like obsession of food, right? Like thinking about food all day long. Like, when am I going to get my next snack? When am I going to have my next meal? What's this? What's that? And just noticing if if your mental capacity is being taken up all day long by, by food. Um, You know, some of the other things to really just recognize is, again, like as you start collecting that information, every time you're eating something or every time you're maybe eating something that's not nourishing for you, um as you collect that information you're going to notice your own unique patterns showing up but a lot of them are exactly that it's like i'm escaping something so there's some sort of difficult emotion that's coming up maybe it's grief maybe it's stress from a busy day at work um and you're going to food so it's it's really a unique process and it's it's unique but also not unique and really uncovering what those specific um, pathways are for you. But for most of us, it's, it shows up as that it's like coming home at the end of the day and just like needing to snack on things or mindlessly snacking, eating in the car, you know, ending up at the drive through and not even knowing how you got there, right? like these sorts of things that, you know, are really common. And again, there's nothing wrong with this, it's just really important to be aware of it and to start asking the right questions to, to uncover what's really going on there.
0: So do you think that most people can't stick to diets because I'm um, assuming that everyone's eating sufficiently. So it's not like it's a calorie deficit. And so therefore the body's yeah. saying you need nutrition, but let's say it's all diets are relatively equal in calories or nutrition levels. Do you think most people are not able to stick to a diet and, of one that's has more whole foods, less sugar because of all of this other stuff that's going on?
1: hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah. And this is where I say, like, it's, so much more than the physical. In my opinion, like the 20% is the like physical addiction and the physical (laughs) stuff. But once we get that under wraps it's this 80%, it's the social pressure, the need to fit in our emotional connections, our traumas, our um, you know lack of self-confidence, our social anxiety, our like mental state, like yeah. all of these, like p- are the fact that most women I know don't love themselves, like this is a huge, huge area as well that we need to walk tenderly into because this is, you know, the, the shame that we feel in our body, the guilt that we put on ourselves, the lack of kindness that we give to ourselves, like all of this, complicated story, um, it drives us to, to food time and time again. So yeah.
0: yeah. And I mean, I'll, I'll be the martyr of the episode, but you know, I I was in a bad relationship a long time ago. And I remember that I couldn't get out of it or I wasn't strong enough or, or maybe I felt like this person was destined for me and they're not ideal. And then I would just go through binge purge cycles. And that was the way I was coping because I would get mad at myself. And that's how I would sort of you know, be punitively damaging to myself or if I got mad at that person, then I would even use it as a tool against that person of, well, now I can't see you because now I'm sick today. And it just became it became a tool. And some days, like you said, it was um, celebrations where all my coworkers are going out. And it's like, Judy, live a little, why can't you have some alcohol? Or why can't you have some dessert when everyone else is having it, you're not going to die eating a little bit. And so either I would cave in, or then I would binge behind closed doors and be mad at myself. And so for every emotion, there was always food along the journey. And even when I try to get off sugar, and maybe we could talk a little bit about this, then I would carry all these sugar-free candies 24 seven, trying to self-soothe with these, I guess, fake sugar candies and products. And then eventually one day I'd be at a breaking point and I'd go wild with the real junk foods. So why is maybe just using sugar-free substitutes not always... right solution?
1: Yes. Uh, I love this question. I'm so glad you asked (laughs) because I'm so passionate about this. Uh, I see this happen all the time and you know, I hesitate to call it a mistake, but it's something that there's no mistakes here. We're all learning and growing, but, and everybody has, you know, I fully believe everyone is on their own journey and has the right to make their own choices in this. But what I see is right when, when we're replacing, you know, sugar with a sugar substitute, We're not ever actually getting to the root of the problem. We're just replacing it, right? Right. So, okay. So now I'm celebrating with something sweetened with stevia instead Mm of like actual sugar. So the pattern is still there. We're still giving our brain the hit of something. And most of these alternative sweeteners are a hundred or a thousand times sweeter than actual sugar, right? So our brain is still, and our mouth is still getting a hit of sweet, And we are still perpetuating the pattern of when I feel uncomfortable in my body, when there is a difficult emotion coming up that I've never been taught how to handle or to be with, I need to get out of this. And. I'm going to use stevia instead, right? And I'm going to use, and yes, some of these don't have the same effect maybe on your blood sugar, but maybe they have other effects that are even more damaging because a lot of them are just chemicals, but we're not really getting to this nitty gritty deep root cause and, and, and the repatterning. And that only really happens when, um, and I know you do a lot of this with, with just stepping into the carnivore diet, right? When we actually remove our crutch, we got to face the music, right? And this is the hardest part for a lot of women is like, now I don't, my best friend isn't here. My crutch isn't here. My bowl of ice cream isn't here. This is hard, right? And this is where most women will cave back in because they don't have support in navigating those, those tricky emotions that start to come up. The tears start to flow. The anger starts coming up. Like, and- we don't know, and I, we haven't talked too much about this specifically, but a big part of what I do is helping women ultimately learn how to feel again. We have been so disconnected from our bodies and, and taught to disconnect from our bodies uh, our whole lives, right? We've been taught not to trust our intuition, don't trust our bodies, trust media, trust the marketing, trust the packages on the food at the grocery store, trust your doctor because he wears a white lab coat, right? Right. So we're we're totally disempowered our whole lives and we need to start taking that power back and learning how to actually listen to our body and what it's telling us. I wholeheartedly believe like our body is always talking to us and it's always telling us what what's right, right? And when we binge on sugar, we feel like crap because our body is telling us That's not something that we want in our body, but we don't listen to it, right? So this journey of kind of tuning back inward is is a big one, and a big part of that is learning how to feel again. We've all become very disassociated from especially what we would consider, and I don't use this term, but the negative emotions. I don't use that term because emotions aren't negative or positive. They're emotions, right? So um, they're not bad or good emotions either. Let's not use that language because we need to re-understand and relearn that every single emotion is very important and vital. And there's nothing wrong with feeling sad or depressed or grief or anger, nothing wrong with it. It's part of our human experience, but we have never been taught how to actually be in that emotion in our body. So when those emotions come up, it is terrifying. It is in our messaging and our brain goes, this is unsafe. Get out of it as quick as possible. So let's go get a, a, dopamine hit with some sugar or a glass of wine or whatever the vice is, right? So this is a huge root cause of addiction and something that Gabor talks a lot to is this like inability to actually be in our body and know that we're safe, feeling pain, feeling difficult emotions, and knowing how to actually support ourselves through that uh, without needing to escape, right? So this tendency to escape is, is one of the biggest patterns that we need to heal and work on. And this is really rooted in our body. So learning how to reconnect with our body, learning how to actually feel again. I know so many of my clients come to work with me and they just don't even feel anything. They don't know what joy or sadness feels like. There's almost this, there's this block. And that's a a protective mechanism that, our ego and our subconscious put up because it wasn't faced safe to feel in our childhood. So we have to relearn that it's safe to feel and learn how to actually be in those feelings in our body and know that we're not gonna die because there is this part of our brain that thinks we're not gonna, we're gonna die. If I really let myself feel this anger, I'm not coming out of it. Right. And that's not true. It's not true. So re- relearning how to connect with that, I think is is some of the biggest work. And you can do that on your own as well. I mean, it's it's really tricky and it's really difficult. Um, because it can feel unsafe, right? So having someone to support you with that is important. But even just noticing the next time you're feeling stressed or the next time you're maybe watching a sad movie and tears are coming up, right? Just noticing, are you allowing it or are you trying to like breathe it away? That was my old technique. It was like, oh, here come the tears. Just take three deep breaths and make it stop. Like that was my old, like, just suck it up. Be tough, be tough, Danny. Like tough girls and strong girls don't cry, right? So really just starting to pay attention to how you honor your emotions or don't honor your emotions or even feel them in your body is a huge part in this process as well.
0: Yeah. I think what really woke me up about the carnivore diet is, you know, I've been an advocate for many, many years now, especially after my healing, but I also did the therapy side. So I didn't even think about that as a part of the play of the diet. But when COVID hit, you saw so many people online saying I am no longer uh, tied to a diet. And I noticed that I think people were all in this fight or flight. And I mean, rightfully so. We just learned about COVID and everyone was scared of like, what is this scary thing? And a lot of people, I think in that moment of fear, just said, I'm just going to eat whatever I want. And then once the peak of the fear of COVID subsided, then they kind of came back to a certain diet. But I wonder if a lot of these people really just need work on their trauma and what is causing them to find these constant diets or these new fads sounds like um, a lot of it is just people need to learn to start feeling again and accepting emotions. Um, One thing that Brene Brown brings up is if you decide to lock up fear and all the scary vulnerability sides, well, then you also lock up joy and the abundance because they're all together. So 10% What are some tools then that people can use to start maybe feeling that emotion? I know for me, once I couldn't use carbs, I literally had to sit down in these emotions that were so uncomfortable. I would be white knuckling it because I was like terrified of these emotions, but it got better after every single time.
1: Yeah, that's such a good question. And I I want to, I'll answer it in a second, but I want to comment on this COVID thing because. What I really saw happening and understanding through the lens of like why we eat what we eat and the emotional component is this massive, massive trauma of feeling disconnected from our families, our friends, not being able to be in physical contact to get the hugs that we need to survive as human beings babies literally die if they're not hugged. So here we are as adults, like, you know, still craving this physical contact, this connection with humans, eye to eye contact that now we're being fearfully pushed away from each other. And side tangent for another day, of course, my thoughts on all of that, but you know, what that's actually doing psychologically to us is causing fear around one of our basic human needs of connection. And this in itself is a trauma. Like we have all been through a a massive trauma together in the last two years, like all of us, everyone on the planet. And this installation of fear and, and uncertainty for most of us, right. That's something that maybe we also had in childhood. Right. And of course our patterns are going to come up of trying to cope through that because it brought up all of the really uncomfortable emotions, the uncertainty, the, the job loss, right. The fear of death, the fear of like, you know, people leaving us or feeling disconnected or, you know, fear of uh, like the uncertainty of the future, like all of our root like foundations were just totally sh- shaken right and stirred up and the discomfort from that is something that we've we've not been taught right this is what i mentioned so absolutely this the coping that we did to just drink our way through it or eat our way through it or switch diets or try you know just just throwing in the towel and I will be the first to admit I was not perfect during covid there was definite emotional eating um and it's still something that shows up for me here and there but I'm aware of it and I don't beat myself up about it and I know how to get back on track and how to support myself with that so it's still a growth journey for me these patterns are really deeply rooted so learning how to feel so to answer your question now <laughs> How do we actually get into that? And the first thing that I would say is to bare minimum, very first thing is just to start asking yourself every day how you feel. And a really, really good time to do this is right before you eat anything. Because then you're kind of killing two birds with one stone. You're really start starting to understand your patterns around why you're eating what you eat. And then also giving yourself a chance to just check in with how you're feeling. I mean, how many of us go throughout our days and our weeks without ever taking a minute to stop and pause. One of the most powerful things, and it's so simple, I don't know why we don't all do it (laughs) all the time, is just to stop and close your eyes and take three deep breaths. And my favorite thing, you know, this is how I start all of my coaching sessions and is, is really like even just putting a hand on your heart, putting a hand on your lower belly or your womb space, your creative center, and just closing your eyes and taking three deep breaths. And when those three deep breaths are over, just saying, how's my body feeling today? Right. And just listening to what's coming up. Maybe you're feeling stressed. Um, A big thing to point out here, especially for anyone who's listening that can't quite identify emotions, because this is kind of a phase that I've really noticed with a lot of my clients. There's like this, I don't know what sadness feels like, or not being able to label an emotion because we have been so disconnected from this part of our body. So really important place to start there is just noticing the physical sensations. So maybe you feel like tightness in your neck, or maybe your hip hurts today, or maybe you're feeling a little bloated. Um, Those are all feelings as well. So just tuning in again, this it's really a practice over time of asking your body what's going on and just taking a minute. Like i I'm a huge believer in closing your eyes because it takes away all the like outward thinking and it helps you drop into your heart, right? And it helps you really drop into you and building that relationship with yourself, even just like 30 seconds here and there throughout the day, not only calms your nervous system and supports your stress levels, which is a win-win, right? Especially anyone out there who's a stress eater like me, but it helps us really invite in that connection with our body, right? Because most of us are living out here all day long, right, externally, giving, doing, working, driving, cooking, like this, 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 that, and dropping in and, and starting to just take a minute to ask what we need, what we're feeling. Those are probably some of the two biggest, most profound questions that we've never asked ourselves. So that's the easiest place to start is just do that every day. Even if it's once a day in the morning, when you wake up or at night before you go to bed um, or in the middle of the day, you know, while you're waiting in traffic, you know, obviously don't close your eyes while you're driving. (laughs) Yeah. And
0: one thing I hear from some, you know, very busy people will be, well, I live such a stressed life or my job is really stressful or my marriage is, you know, not so great, but I can't change any of those things. So are they able to still heal uh, maybe some of this emotional side without being able to fix some of these kind of bigger rocks?
1: Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to push a little bit on this for all of you thinking that, because I totally hear this as well. And I would challenge you when you say you can't change these things. Is that actually true? Because we, as much as we don't want to accept this as humans, we create our reality. And you made a choice at some point to be in that relationship, to say yes to that job, to be in the situation that you're in. And that's a really tough pill to swallow. So I'm sharing that with with a lot of love to really see like, okay, I have made decisions in my life to put me in this situation. So that also means that we can choose and it may be really difficult But we can choose to navigate out of those things when we're learning that they no no longer serve us. And I share this from very personal experience because a big part of my journey and where I was really at rock bottom with my emotional eating was when I was working an office job about seven years ago um, for one of the biggest banks here in Canada. And I thought I was being all successful. And it was the most miserable two years of my life. And I would come home every day, absolutely depressed, drink a bottle of wine, eat a pizza, live in the bath, watch Netflix, go to bed, repeat. And it was the ultimate numbing out cycle that was affecting my health, my relationship with my husband, my happiness. I was just depressed and miserable, and I chose to say yes to that job. And at the same time, when I realized that, I chose to quit. So two years in, that's when you know I decided there's more to life, and I I made the choice to quit. And this is when we traveled, and I went through my accidental detox. That was all around that time, and. Now I run my own business and I'm living life on my terms and making the choices from an empowered point of what I actually want to do in this world and and how I actually want to show up. So I know this is possible for everyone, no matter your circumstance. I know that it's not easy. It's extremely difficult. It might take years to unfold, but it's possible. So I just want to challenge that. And then at the same time, you know, while you're maybe thinking about those bigger rocks and those bigger picture of, wow, I... Uh, maybe I do need a divorce. Maybe I do want to to leave my job. Maybe there are things that I do need to change and accept that these are no longer serving me anymore. And while you're sitting with that, and like I said, that might take time. You don't have to do that all right now. Please don't do that. Like spend time feeling into that and thinking about it, making a plan for yourself, making sure you're safe in that journey. While you do that, you can also choose, and sometimes it doesn't feel like it, but we can choose how we see things. So we can absolutely Choose, you know, maybe there's a situation that you're like, okay, yeah, I don't love my job. And I can see that I'm out of alignment here, but I'm not ready to quit. And I want to just kind of manage it in a different way. We can choose, you know, if we're coming from a place of love and empowerment, how we actually see those situations and how we actually work on them. So, okay, is there a way that I can maybe learn to enjoy my job better? Are there boundaries that I can set with my boss so I don't feel so resentful every day that I leave from the office, right? Or is there work that I need to do with my partner or my husband, right, that can bring us closer together? Maybe there's some things that we could work on together. Maybe he's opened a couples therapy or maybe, you know, so we can come at it with, the the lens of again asking those questions of what could i change here how could i see this situation differently and actually ex- have acceptance for it if that's what we choose right versus you know the resentment and the 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 stress and the and the guilt and the shame and i want to remind everybody that we do not have to put all of this stuff on our plate i know there are so many women out there and this has been a huge part of my journey is actually learning to define my success and my worth as a human being not by how much I do in a day, but by how I show up and how I feel every day, as opposed to how many things I got checked off my checklist, because this was how I operated my whole life. I'm a doer. I'm a type A personality. It was like, if I didn't have a huge th- list of things completed at the end of the day, I was a failure. I was worthless. Like, why bother living? And that took a lot of time to 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 rewire into shape and really ultimately learn to slow down. But I knew very early on, like, if it wasn't the sugar that was going to kill me, it was the stress. I was chronically stressed, always anxious, always worried, and you know, tapping into what has developed over the last six years in my spiritual journey, learning to meditate, learning to slow down, learning not to push myself all the time, and not to define myself and my worth as a woman by, you know, all the things I get done, um, have probably been some of the most profound, like, healing for me. And now I'm no longer running around totally fried and burnt out, using food to cope and get through the day and to give me energy you know, it's easier for me to eat healthy, right? And to support myself when when I'm not, you know, at my wits end all day long. Just to add to all of what you said, I, I
0: think it even takes sometimes a third person or like a therapist or something to even define, is this job worth me staying in? Is it a mind shift thing that I need? Or is it truly that this job is not meant for me? And I think it takes perspective. And sometimes when we're in the thick of it, we can justify it. I mean, I had a very similar story to you. I was in management consulting for over a decade. I was making very good money, flying around the world for free, but I was miserable and I dated someone that was in the same space and he says... It seems like you like all the perks of the job, but it seems like you hate the actual job. And then he really got me thinking of, I actually really do hate this job. And sure, the perks are fun, the golden handcuffs, as I used to call them. But I was miserable. And when I couldn't say no to my boss or the CEO of a big company, I would end up binging at night because that was how I was de-stressing. And once I got married to my husband and I hit rock bottom we had this conversation of, well, I need to go back to work because we have a family to feed. And yes, my husband made money, but do we change our life? But what about my kids future? And, but for the betterment of my health, I still chose to let go of that job, even though it was so scary and knowing that maybe nutrition, I mean, the average nutritionist makes pretty little money. And, but, but that felt right in my heart that God's plan was for me to go this way. And it was so unbelievably scary. I thought I was failing my child as a mother and being able to afford a family or a lifestyle, but it was the best decision I ever made because I work probably more hours now than I did then. And I worked a lot then, but never once do I feel like, Oh, I hate this job or I hate what I'm doing. I just feel like I I wish I had more time in the day, but if anything, it's so healing. And then my husband can always say, I think you need a break. And so some days on a full day, I won't do any work because I need that break-in before I would never have been able to do that like you said, yeah. but now I have this balance where I could say, okay, I just need to get away from the computer, get away from everything related to nutrition and wellness and I need to feel myself again
1: yeah, yeah, that's really powerful Judy thanks for sharing that that's yeah, that really resonates with me and it it really re- makes me think of one of these sort of side benefits that I always I always just love like this this is one of the coolest things about the work I do is. Um, And actually the program that I'm running right now um, at the time of recording this, there's two women in that group who are having this epiphany as well, because we haven't talked too much about this, but a really big part of this root work that we're doing is actually reclaiming who we are and this loss of identity that we have all really been forced to shape into this box that society puts us in. And this is a big, one of the big wounds that Gabar Maté talks a lot about is like in childhood, we're taught to fit into this box, right? We're taught to don't be too pretty or too smart and don't be too that like, you know, we're, we're taught how to fit in in society, right? And be good little, good little followers of the rules. And In that process, we strip away our our identity and our uniqueness and our our weirdness and our silliness and our like our freedom to really be who we are, right? We learn to like dress conservative or like act a certain way and don't say certain things. And, you know, I'm not saying that all of that is bad, but I am saying like, that it drastically disconnects us from who we truly are. And now what I see, every single woman that comes to work with me is completely lost. They have no idea who they are. This is where the term midlife crisis comes from. People are like, what is happening? Who am I? Right? And then we have this existential crisis where we have no idea what the meaning of life is and who we are. And, and this is a really part, a huge part in learning how to reconnect with our truth and our wisdom, and our intuition, and our true selves through play, through exploration, through self love practices, through belief systems. all of this. So one of the side benefits of doing this inner healing and this real root cause healing with food is that you're going to start to very clearly notice where you're out of alignment in your life. And I know we're talking about that in like relationships or in jobs. And this happens every time I host a program. There is a woman by the end of the program who decides to quit her job. She's like, <laughs> I just realized that I. I am miserable and I am totally out of alignment. That's the terms that we use, right? This is not a match for me. And I can actually follow my dreams. And wow, that's really actually exciting now. And and yes, there's fear there because it's gonna be growth and learning and it's gonna be challenging but it's worth it. And I know that I can do it now. So there's a sense of like confidence, right. Where we break out of our dream state that most of us walk around in every day and start living in the world of possibilities and, and really living from what our heart wants us to do. And You know, for for both of us, that's nutrition, right? And and this, but for for someone else, you know, listening to this, it might be something completely different, right? So it's a very neat like side effect of doing this healing is as you connect more with your truth and who you really are, you start to realize the areas in your life that uh, aren't really a reflection of that, and you know, some changes need to be made. And for me, it was my job. It was also a huge group of friends, you know, that I no longer associate with because they weren't, you know, on the same path as me or what I needed and wanted, and that was extremely difficult and extremely challenging and a huge opportunity for growth for me to completely shift, you know, the people in my life and continue to do that from a place of loving myself and making that choice for me to surround myself with people that support me, right? And that want to lift me up and, and get what I'm working towards. So it's, there's a lot of little side benefits that come when you actually commit to doing this healing and it's not, doesn't just shift your relationship with sugar, right? This is yeah. so beyond sugar. Actually in my programs, we don't even talk much about sugar. We're like, okay, <laughs> let's get into the deep stuff because, and as soon as you start to heal that, you'll start to notice like, oh, okay. I like to, it's actually easier to eat healthy. And I don't even care about sugar anymore. I don't even want it. And my relationship with my husband's getting better and oh, my kids want to eat healthy. And oh, I'm feeling more aligned and connected to my job or like the, the deep, Stuff that we do affects all areas, all relationships in our life, whether it's people or food or or something else.
0: Yeah, I think the system, whatever that means, um, the way that we're raised really just starts making us question the abilities of humans in general. I mean, we think about COVID and all the lockdowns and we, are, we were bound to our homes because we couldn't go out. We shouldn't socialize or communicate. But as humans, we automatically, you saw on social media, on the news, or maybe not corporate news, but on other places <laughs> or platforms, you saw how people still try to connect, right? People were singing in the, the windows of to connect and you would hear unisons of music and stuff so that people still felt connection. And it just shows you the resiliency of humans. And if we were to just trust that if our inner desire is to do something else with our life or get out of a marriage, even if we have young children, which is such a common thing I hear, but you talk a lot about your program and it sounds even wonderful to me, but if you could share a little bit about, you know, what does that look like? So if I'm listening to this and I feel like this is really resonating with me, maybe all these diets. So what Mm -hmm. does a group therapy or program look like working with you so that you can start healing?
1: Yeah, yeah. Thank you for for asking that question. Um, the timing of this, I believe, is is pretty neat because I'm just about to open up registration for my next group here in the new year. So, um, and I believe Judy's going to have a link for that if anyone wants to get on the wait list um, below the episode. So, my signature program is called the Break Free from Sugar program, and like we've already been talking about, it's so much more than just <laughs> just sugar. So it's a it's a ten week program that actually navigates you through understanding your unique root patterns and causes. And when I say unique, I don't really mean unique because we're all kind of the same. And I, every time I, I host this program, I see that we all have the same problems. We all have the same you know, uh, patterns or traumas or belief systems that are holding us back that really need to be shed. So the process that we go on over that 10 weeks is through our weekly meetings and weekly content and, and work in that process is really... Connecting yourself to your body, connecting yourself to your emotions, connecting to your true identity, understanding yourself in a really, really deep way and learning how to have self-compassion and ultimately think and act differently. So like I said, at the time of recording this, I'm actually in in the last week of, of my current program and just watching the way that women are handling and showing up for themselves, learning to say no, setting boundaries, like learning to actually be in their power and be unapologetic about it and really just show up different for themselves and think different, you know, even if they accidentally have some sugar, you know, instead of beating themselves up and binging for the next week, it's, Oh, oops. Okay. Whatever. I'm getting back to it. So this sense of freedom that can unfold for you when you have the right community. And one of the things that I do very uniquely in this, this space, I'm sure you do this as well. Judy is providing an actual safe space. So like I mentioned earlier. This inner healing and the wounds and the pain that we have kept hidden from ourselves and our partners and the world for so long are really tender places. We as women, especially, have definitely been burned. Like a lot of us have been re-traumatized by, say, trying to be vulnerable or saying, sharing something and then being met with with non non support or judgment or shame and then we learn to close up harder right our walls go up stronger because okay it's not safe to share so to be together in a community of women and be witnessed in your pain without judgment in itself is one of the most powerful pieces of the way that I lead in the program that I host is like getting to actually learn how to speak your truth and be vulnerable and be met with love and support and just this safe network of other women witnessing your journey and relating with you right. is is so powerfully healing. And in that process, we do do four weeks sugar free. We do uh, bring in the physical part. We do talk about food. We do definitely detox from sugar. Uh, most of the women at the end of the four weeks want to keep going, but I, I like having that kind of four week minimum because it's easier to wrap our head around to right. actually jump in and get started. And in that process, like I said, we're really, really, really deeply rewiring these very, very deep wounds and learning how to feel again and really a lot of these pieces that we talked about today. So this is, it's, it's a lot. It's a lot in 10 weeks, but it's, it it works. Um, I, This will be about the eighth time that I've hosted this program. And uh, it is my passion and my heart. And I'm so excited to to host another round. So what about men? Do you ever serve any men? <laughs> yeah, you, good yeah. question. <laughs> I don't actually, okay. I don't work with men. Um, I've chosen to really, really focus in on my own experience, right? You know, I can only speak to being a woman and the hormones and the challenges and the body shame and the things that I've personally gone through. So the way I lead is very much from my personal experience and obviously my training. So that's kind of hard for me to do with men because I've never been in a man's body. So um, that's not something that I, that I do right now. My groups are, and I find especially for doing this deep healing work, the group must be like, and I I totally am really, really encourage men being in men's groups. My husband's in a men's group. It's extremely healing for him. I think there's something so powerful and extra safe about being in groups that are, you know, in alignment with with kind of how we resonate. I want to mention one thing too here because one of the things that I've seen that's really neat. And as much as I I I would love to work with men and you know, I I definitely not saying that, you know, men don't deserve help. I know there are a lot of great people out there who can support you. And I actually have some some great friends. So reach out to me if you if you need some recommendations. I have people in my network that definitely work with men and support men. But there's also this this side benefit when I've chosen, right? And as I work with women, it always, always, always ripples into their husbands oh, and yeah. into their kids and their parents and their friends. Like there is such a ripple effect when we personally choose to do the healing. And I feel like in the household, that catalyst is really powerfully coming from the woman because more often than not, the women are doing the cooking or, um, you know, looking after the children more. And, you know, that dynamic is there. So it's very neat for me to always witness, you know, women who either are single or, you know, in a partner, they'll notice the men in their life start to be curious about like, well, what are you eating? Or why do you have so much energy? Why is your skin clear? Why are you sleeping better? I want that. Um And then they start to get on board as well. And it, it just benefits the whole family that way. So that's how I try to support, you know, through, through the, <laughs> the ripple effect,
0: you know, This is a lot of information. I think it was such good information, but it can be overwhelming. One thing I just want to say is before we leave is we can, the hard talk and the real talk is really, yes, this is a lot of hard work and you have to get into areas you'd rather just not deal with. And we can mute ourselves with food, but ultimately somebody will have a rock bottom moment. And it's at that moment of, do you want to either deal with disease and just try to medicate it or Maybe you work on it now and you free yourself of a lot of these difficult things from the past so that you don't have to forever find a new diet, find a new way to fit into your genes, and uh, find a new way to deal with emotions or mental fog. And I know it's so unbelievably hard. I mean, it literally took me to land up in the mental hospital for me to finally change my way of everything. But I'd rather most people not get there before they find healing because I literally failed as a mom. You know, I feel that my healing, it's the calling, just like for you, it's to share, like, you don't have to go through that to find healing and to live a life that you were meant to. And that can really ultimately bring you happiness instead of trying to self-soothe living a life you don't want to, but soothing with food that's slowly killing you, whether mentally or physically.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's so such a powerful message. I totally agree with everything that you just said. And I want to add to that in reminding everybody that yes, what we're talking about, maybe hard work. And it actually, not maybe, it's definitely gonna be hard work. I'm not <laughs> gonna lie to you. Um, I never sugarcoat it, pun intended, but you know, it's hard work and it is by far the most rewarding work I've ever done in my whole yes. life. Like I will never, ever change like the deep emotional healing and the deep rewiring and, and life that I am following now. This is my new addiction. Like Healing myself <laughs> is my new addiction and I love it. And, and in the beginning it was hard because I didn't know how to support myself with it and I didn't have the proper support networks. And now I do. And now it's, I wouldn't say it's easy, but it's, it's not difficult. I know how to support myself when things come up or when, when there's new, like I'm going through a huge phase of growth right now and it's really, really difficult and really painful and I'm okay. And I'm going to get through it. And I know that it's like, this is just the next phase for me to grow into the next version of myself. So just a reminder that it does get easier. It does become this new way of being that you're just, you're growing and learning and you, you can like compassionately navigate your way through that. And it opens up this huge portal of abundance of freedom and peace you know, this unlocking of your emotions and of this healing that exists comes with, yes, it comes with some pain and some difficult things, but it also equally comes with more peace, more happiness, more joy, more freedom, more literally feeling alive and engaged in life as opposed to walking around in a slumber all the time. So this journey is really about coming alive, right? And, and. Reconnecting with ourself and with the world and whatever higher power you believe in, and it's it's such a beautiful gift to yourself to to do that work. I feel like we're here on the planet to do some work, right? So buck up and let's do it, right? And it, and it doesn't have to be difficult. And if you're being guided by the right people and have the right support networks, and this is you know one of the last things that I want to mention is how vital it is to pay attention to who you surround yourself with. Because very quickly, like you're saying, Judy, right? It's so easy to go to a party and everybody's shaming you for not having a drink or not having a cookie. And that was what I experienced. And one of the reasons why I shifted my, my group of friends in a dramatic way was not wanting to be with people like that anymore. Right. And really noticing like, okay, are the people that I'm around lifting me up energetically, emotionally, are they supporting my goals? Are they cheering me on? Or are they trying to drag me back down because of their own there's reasons why people do that, right? There's there's a lot of psychological reasons. So don't be afraid to make new friends, right? And really pay attention to your community. And sometimes it's your husband's not your main support network or your your parents aren't your cheerleader, right? Or your like your best friend that you thought was going to be there for you just doesn't have the capacity. And that's okay. Find people that will. Like the people you surround yourself with are absolutely vital in in your success in in the long run. Yeah, thank you so much. Where
0: can people find you? Um I'll put in the show notes your link for your program, but where can people find you? Your program, social media, podcast.
1: Yes, yes, amazing. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much for having me on Judy. This was this was so much fun. I knew this would be a good conversation too. We never know what's going to come out, but this was this was fantastic. So anyone that wants to connect with me, please, I would love to hear from you. My website is danieldame.com. I'm at Danielle Dame coaching on Facebook. Danielle Dame on Instagram. Um, I also have a podcast that Judy has been a guest on uh, called Beyond Sugar Freedom Podcast, and that's probably a really great place to get started. Maybe learning a bit more about um, what I do and the the approach that I take to to healing our relationship with food. And yes, of course, you know if you're interested in the next round of my program, I only host this program twice a year, so this is really cool timing. Don't wait, come and get on the wait list, um, Judy. you will have the link below, and you can learn more about the program uh, when I open registration very very soon. Okay. And
0: then out of curiosity, do you do one-on-ones outside of those group programs? I oh, don't okay. actually. Oh, yeah. Okay. Last year I made
1: a big shift because, okay. uh, just managing my time. Yes, And I'll be really honest with all of you. Uh, the, what I really notice in this deep healing work is we heal better in community. Yes. Oh yeah. So I noticed this big time and this is, this sounds funny coming from me because obviously one-on-one coaching with me is really powerful and really important. And you know, it's a high investment, but I will be the first to say that the results that my clients have gotten from the group versus one-on-one have been next to none. Mm -hmm. There's no comparison. And you know, within actually, and I'll say this too, because within give a little teaser for everybody about this program, but the way that I do, you know, for anybody who does want one-on-one support with me, because it is definitely really powerful to have some one-on-one time to go into your unique life and your unique story and situation. Um, I always offer a VIP package with my program, so there's always a couple spots available for people who are going through the group experience to have a couple sessions with me as well, one-on-one. Okay. So that's always an option that I, that I'll be releasing info soon.
0: Okay. Well, I'll put all the information in the show notes. But thank you so much for joining me. This was such a pleasure, and I mean, I I think honestly if people are willing to go all the way to a carnivore diet some people will need that support to really just get to next level in terms of why maybe a diet's not sticking long term
1: yeah yeah thank you so much for having me judy i love having these conversations and i just want to shout it from the rooftop and let everybody know that this is possible this healing is possible and you don't have to be on this diet guilt shame roller coaster for the rest of your life you can actually do the deep inner healing that's really, really causing these patterns and addictions and um and then get on with living life, right? <laughs> right. And living the life that you're meant to live, one that yeah. will be in sync with you. Yes.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So powerful. Thanks, Judy. Thank you. Thanks for joining me. Okay, guys. I hope that this interview provided you a lot more tools that is beyond nutrition. Sometimes just sticking to a diet. Is so important in finding that consistency. But oftentimes when we are having trouble with sugar addiction and other things that are related to food, it's not just about the food itself. Sometimes it's the way that we cope. And I hope that this conversation starts giving you levers to help you heal from these things that maybe we're not aware of when it comes to food addiction. I hope you guys learned a lot just as much as I have. Okay, guys, you know the drill. Make sure to eat a lot of meat. Take care of your bodies because it is the only place you have to live. I will talk to you later. Bye guys. Thanks for listening to the Nutrition with Judy podcast. If you liked what you heard today, please make sure to leave a five-star review on your favorite podcast app so more listeners like you can find the show. If you want more practitioner care and support, head over to nutritionwithjudy.com slash groups so you can get more real talk about carnivore, the environment, and root cause healing. You can also find my content on Nutrition with Judy's YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Make sure to sign up for my weekly newsletter and learn more about in-depth articles with infographics at nutritionwithjudy.com slash articles. You can find my two books, Carnivore Cure and The Complete Carnivore Diet for Beginners on carnivorecure.com and amazon.com. At the heart of Nutrition with Judy's practice, our mission lies with a deep, unwavering passion for service and community. We will continue to empower you to have the knowledge and tools to live a life nearly symptom-free because we firmly believe in healing and wellness for all.